fact, let me tell you something. There is a strain of Calvinism that apparently lacks the saltiness to make its influence on anybody. And it's evident by the nature of so many Reformed churches. Just look at them. They gather together, they come together, they, get, they, they, they do their thing on Sundays, and they go off to the world, and they don't have an impact on anybody. And I can tell you, you can look down through the corridors of, of history, and you can look at a Charles Simeon, and look at his type of Calvinism, an evangelical Calvinism. You can look at that of William Carey's, who said basically, I'm breaking out of this hyper-Calvinism, and I'll go down in that pit. I'll go down in that well, guys. I'll take our salty Christianity here and take it out to the ends of the earth. If you guys will hold the ropes, I'll go down in that well. That's the kind of Calvinism we need. Or Spurgeon's. Spurgeon. Yeah, it's been said of Spurgeon. What differentiated him from many others was his basic vision for the church. Surrounding ministries tended to have a siege mentality. The battle cry was circle the wagons. In other words, stay in the salt shaker. Just stay in there. Don't get out. Circle the wagons. He said, although many would have denied it, they believed the church existed for its own sake. The top priority was safety, purity, comfort of the church. Theirs was a fundamentally defensive posture. Spurgeon's response was to set about to recover an understanding of what the church really was. He recognized that the whole orientation of the gospel is outward toward the lost. See, if we're going to be salt to a putrefying, decaying, dying world, you've got to get out there, you've got to rub it on the child. You've got to rub it in the meat. Brethren, the more interaction, the more we get out there, the more we come close to sinners, the more we are going to be this salt. We can't stay in the shaker. You've got to get on the food. You've got to get on the thing that you want to influence. And then there's that great Calvinist Paul. He knew about the sovereignty of God. Wasn't, didn't he write Romans 9? He says to Moses, I have mercy on whomever I will have mercy. I'll have compassion on whomever I will have compassion. But listen to him. Listen to him. With great sorrow, he says, I could wish myself accursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my kinsmen according to the flesh. He could say, my desire for them is that God would save them. And you know, in another place, he says, I become all things to all men, that by all means I may save some. Do you recognize there's a certain strain of Calvinism that seems to suck the salt right out of the Christian. Paul, haven't you forgot God's sovereign? What do you mean you become all things to all men that you might by all means save some? Save some? Do we have any that are brave enough that we can talk like Paul? That if people begin to fill our churches through salvation, because we've got out there, we've been salty enough with both our words and our life and our compassion and our mercy and our purity of heart and our dependence on the Lord. We get out there in that mindset. Any of us say we can save some? I mean, let's talk like Scripture. Of course we keep in the forefront of our minds that God saves whomever He wills. We know that salvation is of the Lord. 
But God is just as sovereignly in control. Listen, think about it. I, I ride my bike at times along the canal. I see guys fishing. What would you think if I said to one of the fishermen, Hey, why are you fishing? Don't you know God's sovereign? God's sovereignly in control of whether you're going to get a, a fish on that hook or not. You think, do you think he hears me and says, Oh, I shouldn't fish. Just packs up and goes home. Brethren, only a fool believes because God is sovereign. A fisherman shouldn't go fishing. The reality is a fisherman's a fool to believe that he'll catch fish if he doesn't go fishing. Brethren, do you realize God uses means? And the means that God uses is Christians who retain their saltiness. The gospel's the power of God unto salvation, but how's it propagated? The reality is God's method. Salty Christians. That's His method. And that's always been the case. Look at the great fishers of men. Look at the churches that have had in the evangelical influence on the world. Look at the times and the places where people have been gathered in. You know what you'll always find? Salty Christians. Every time, every time we can say God's sovereign, but you know God doesn't just bypass the saltiness of His people. That never happens. Jesus says, we're the salt. What, what are we told to do? Go out into the highways and hedges. And compel them to come in. How are we going to compel them? Not by unsalty Christianity. Not by looking like them as much as possible. Not become seeker sensitive and try to appeal to all the lost people. Brethren, we've got to tell people the truth, but we've got to love them. And I, brethren, I know this, this takes effort. This takes sacrifice. This takes us dying to self. And the thing is, proximity is not enough. You can't just bring salt close. It's got to touch it. It's not enough that you live in the neighborhoods or that the church meets in a certain neighborhood. We've got to touch the people. We've got to get there. Bringing salt close to the food does not flavor it. Sinners close to our homes. Proximity to our churches. It's not enough. Too many Christians want to stay inside the salt shaker. Inward focused. Well, we've got problems in the church. Well, of course we do. We're always going to have problems in the church. But problems in the church doesn't mean circle the wagons. Stop being salty. That's not it. We, do, we can't not become so inwardly focused that, to the neglect of some vision outward. Vision. I'm not afraid of that word. I mean by that some sufficient imagination and strategy and design, anticipation, expectation. Wasn't it William Carey that said, expect great things from God, attempt great things for God? I mean, that's the reality. We step out expecting God to come and help us and cause us to walk on the water as we go. we got to try... Brethren, I'll tell you this. We try to take that saltiness out, we will see that God is with us. And we will not be ashamed if we're going to go out there, strive, plan, scheme to get the salt into the world, to produce that thirst out there, to produce that preservative in the rot that's out there. Listen, I'll tell you what else can happen. As schools degenerate, and you know they are, teaching homosexuality and same-sex marriage and all manner of garbage, and you, 
the whole homosexual agenda. We've got, we've got politicians that are liberal, that are moving as far away from the Bible as they possibly can. We've got a media that's absolutely obsessed with everything that's wicked. The names on things are being totally reversed. What's good is now bad, and what's bad is good, and we see it all around us. And brethren, I can tell you what can happen. We can have a tendency to want to withdraw from it. And even we hear in Scripture, come out from among them. And you know, there is a biblical separation, but you know what can happen. That biblical separation can easily become an unbiblical isolation if we're not careful. 